Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Andy hit me up two weeks ago and he was talking about a new series that he was looking to do and the subject was nothing. And it's essentially about nothing. Um, he said to find different scriptures in the Bible that has to do with nothing and then kind of have something based on that. Um, so it's very experimental. And then I guess there's one scripture that I always think about. And uh, it's funny because I remember one time I had it up on Instagram and you noticed it whereby like, you know, there's a Jill Scott uh, song. Um, what's the song called? About walking in the park after dark. Conversation, stimulation. Never mind. All right, cool. You lot are all Christians. That's good. Never mind. That's good. You're all Christians. You know, back in, you know the ones back in the day. So anyway, there's a, there's a part in the song which is like, let's talk about Revelation three seventeen. And like, when I actually read the scripture, I was like, okay, it's deep. So anyway, I had that as my status, and then Trina noticed it. Anyway, um, but funny enough, that's the scripture that's been in my mind a lot because that's just where I am right now. So this whole talk is um, less of a talk and it's more of an argument and it's more of a struggle and it's more of a um, exploring of different ideas, right? Um, but before we get into it, let's just do a quick prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We're here for a purpose. Um, we have your word in front of us and I pray that uh, wherever we look throughout, that you're able to just open up our eyes uh, give us insight and help our lives to change by the way that you give us. We thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, so if I was to call this topic anything, it would be, we are far too easily pleased. And that comes from a kind of quote that C.S. Lewis wrote in his one of his books called Weight of Glory. And um, C.S. Lewis is probably one of my favorite Christian authors, and he says something like this. It would seem that our Lord, our, our Lord finds your desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So C.S. Lewis was kind of breaking down um, the pressures that he was going through as a Christian and people saying to him like why are you drinking as much as we are drinking and why are you doing this and why are you doing that and he kind of came to the conclusion that it's not that his um, it's not that their appetite is more bigger than his it's actually that their appetite is way too small right um, when it comes down to the scriptures uh, as a matter of fact before we get into that let's go into Revelation 3.17 Cool. So I'll read verse 17. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, I'll read, I'll read from verse 15, yeah? Um, so he's, Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea, uh, and he basically says, I know your works. You are neither hot, cold nor hot. I would rather that you're either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, 
I'll spit you out of my mouth. This is verse 17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And I'll go into verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And I guess this is a scripture that I came across a while ago because it's heavy stuff. If I'm honest, I don't even really like... This is the, this is the scripture that is almost like the... Um, the the very the sensitive point. I could talk about anything, but this is the one I'm like, I don't even really want to talk about this, right? When it comes down to appetite, appetite is probably one of the biggest themes in the Bible. It doesn't necessarily say the word appetite, but when you go from the beginning of Genesis, mankind has been based on how how your appetite is, right? When you look at the Garden of Eden and eating the fruit and all that kind of stuff. And then when you picture uh, the Israelites moving out of slavery into <coughs> Egypt, and then Jesus, uh, um, Moses standing on a hill breaking down these laws of um, how you should live your life, he ends it in Deuteronomy basically saying, when you do these laws, because right now you're at a place where you want direction, you're seeking my face and all that kind of stuff, so you're going to be prosperous at the end of this. But when you get prosperous, please do not say, it's my hand that got me this. I brought myself here. Because if you do, it's going to be a little bit of a problem, right? Make sure you do not spoil your appetite. And then the next phase of, I guess, our faith is when you see this 30-year-old man called Jesus standing up on another hill speaking about the laws of this new thing called the kingdom. And it's almost like these, these legislations, right? Or this is like what you need to do in order to be a part of the kingdom. And one of the first things that he starts breaking down is blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So he's then breaking down that like your appetite needs to be huge enough for the kingdom you can't just be satisfied enough with the stuff that's happening around you you need to have a big enough appetite to be able to even come into the kingdom you need to hunger and thirst after righteousness and then when you get to revelation now jesus is speaking to seven different churches and the first couple of churches he kind of says you know i know your works and you're, you're doing this good thing but you're kind of missing out on this thing like make sure you you work on that right and he says that to a couple of churches and then he goes to the church at uh laodicea hopefully i'm saying that name right but he goes to that church and basically he doesn't say anything good he doesn't give any compliments of are oh, you doing this or that as a matter of fact he hardly has an opinion on them he's just like i know what you're doing you're even a hot no cold and that's a problem Right? And because you're lukewarm, obviously I'll spew you out. And the thing that I guess offended God the most or offended Jesus the most was when he heard the commentary that was coming out of their mouth at the time. Because that church where it was positioned at Laodicea, it was in between the intersection of three major roads. So when it came down to trade, loads of people were stopping off and dropping off a lot of wealth in that area, right? And they were known for their medical schools, they were known for the clothing that they were creating, they were known for their banks. So they had money to the point where there was a, um, an earthquake that happened in that area. And when the earthquake happened, they didn't even ask Rome for any financial support. They're good. Like, we don't need your money in it. 
So when you are a Christian in that kind of city, it's very easy for you to be like, yeah, cool. And I guess that this conversation is about what happens after God answers your prayers. When you're seeking God and you need God and all that kind of stuff, it's all well and good. But I found myself in a position where you kind of get to a point where he's answered quite a bit of your prayers. And things are, things are, seem like they're going really well. Do you know what I mean? Like you may have like got the job you wanted or you may have had like the set of money that you wanted, you got that raise you wanted or you got the spouse that you wanted or the kids that you wanted. All those, all those things that we look for that we deem to be important. It's like, cool, we got that. And then the question is, what is your attitude after that? Because what happened to the church in La, uh, La that place, <laughs> is that they then said, I don't need anything. I'm cool. I'm all right right now where I am, where I stand. And then Jesus basically says, no, you go all wrong because at this moment, you're actually poor, pitiful, miserable. Your condition is very, like, it's the opposite of what you think it is. Um... So let's look at this diagram, right? So does everybody know what this is? It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So you know the you know the business the business models. So anyway, like this, you if yeah, if you you'll probably see this at some point in your life. But it just talks about all the needs that a human being goes through, and this is like a very much um, this is a simplified version of what it is. But at the bottom, you have something like shelter, right? Um, every human being needs, I said it's probably, the order's probably messed up. But anyway, they, they, have, they need shelter in order to feel like they are secure, right? But once you have that, you might want to get into food and clothing. It's probably the other way around, but food and clothing. Then you want, once you go over that, then you may want security. Then after that, you may want social status. So you're cool with your friends and your peers and after that. And then once that's all relatively fine, then once you get to the top, then you're at self-actualization. So that's when you're more on your creative tip and you want to like start your own businesses and all that kind of live your best life kind of vibe, right? And this is what, as humans, we just, we look for. This is what we look towards. And it could be very easy for you to get to the top and be like, I don't need anything more. All the thing, I filled out all the things in this pyramid, right? I'm good, I'm cool. And what ends up happening is that God is basically saying, no, I, I fulfilled your needs in, these, in this pyramid, but above this pyramid is this huge dark cloud, right? Above this pyramid that has like, end, it's just an infinite cloud. You do, it has no end, basically. You cannot see the end. And in this cloud is actually all the things that you need. Yeah, these, these, this is what I want you to be involved in, but you're all caught up in this small little pyramid on the ground, right? So this is what he's calling us to. But then the truth of the matter is, and this is where the, the argument starts, the truth of the matter is, there's benefits in being a lukewarm Christian. It's actually quite comfortable to be a lukewarm Christian because no one bothers you. Do you know what I mean? No one bothers you. Like, when you're... When you're on it properly like when you're really seeking the face of God you become a problem you become a problem in your family you become a problem in your workplace like you can't have a single conversation without it ended up in beef <laughs> so sometimes you don't even really want to do the thing too tough sometimes it's actually better just to be 
you wouldn't call it lukewarm, but you like to just be spiritual enough so that you know that you seem okay with God, but then also as well, people just want to have a conversation with you and it doesn't end up in, well, it doesn't end up in, you know, <laughs> it doesn't end up in unnecessary beef. Yeah. Um, so, Jesus then has this thing, right? His rebuttal to that argument. And this is an argument I've made head all the time. But he basically says that there's a serious problem in being lukewarm. And it's not just that it's like a terrible situation to be in as a Christian. It actually puts your entire spirituality into question. Because what he basically says is the reason why he came up with the whole analogy of lukewarm water is because in that area, even though they had all that money and all that uh, status, they didn't have any water supply of their own, right? So they needed to source some water outside of the area. But when they outsourced the area, when they outsourced that water, it was coming from a very, very cool area. So it was proper refreshing at that place. But by the time it came to them in warm La Sidiosa, you know, but by the time it came to them, in that hot area, it wasn't even cold like it was there, and it wasn't even hot, it was like this nasty, lukewarm taste, right? And it was known that people who drank it, it wasn't just a thing where it's like, oh, I don't like the temperature, it was actually nauseating. So it would make you want to be sick, right? So when he, when he used that analogy, the people at the church was like, okay, I see what you're saying, because that's exactly what the water was like. So he's basically saying, it's not just a thing of you're in the middle, it, you can actually be poisonous to the people that's around you. And last week I was looking at the Pharisees and um, I was just breaking down who they just, just what Jesus's beef was with the Pharisees, right? Because um, he kept calling them this name and he kept dropping this name, hypocrite. He's like, you do this, but you actually this, you hypocrite. And we always think the idea hypocrite is like someone who says one thing but does another, right? That's what we, how we use the word in the English language. But when you actually look at the origins of drama and the origins of theater, the people who are on stage, they used to be called hypocrites, yeah? An actor. So that's what hypocrite actually means. When G Jesus is basically saying that you're an actor, you're a comedian. Like, you're, you don't, you're, this is not real to you. Do you know what I mean? And the reason why that was a problem for the Pharisees is because God is, God is, all of, God is this big cloud that no one's really explored yet. And then you have people at the top here pretending like they know the cloud and they, they move around in the cloud and they pray out loud like on the streets like they know the cloud. But they've never been to the cloud. They've never seen the cloud. They don't have any, um, any idea of what's... What, what it entails or even the lifestyle that's needed to be in the cloud so Jesus was saying you're a hypocrite because you block people from coming in but you yourselves don't even come in so then yesterday I was asked, I asked myself this question which I guess was like it's a question that I don't even really want to know the answer to because I guess the battle is do you stay where you are in terms of just live that that cush life or do you actually believe in God, pursue him properly, and then be willing to deal with all those repercussions, right? 
But then I guess the question there is, would you, what is the spiritual consequence of all the people around you if you don't pursue God? I don't even really want to know the answer. Because if you think about where you live, the families that live around you, their families, your workplace and their families, and the network that you're connected to, what is happening or not happening because of your relationship with God? How is that being impacted? And then I guess that the, the, the question is fine. I want to let's see let's see if we can live this 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 life right because right now things are very comfortable things are cool and i don't even really want to move forward from this point but i know that it's very dangerous if i stay in this point so if that's the case then what do i get at the end of it like what's what's the what's the payoff because at the end of the day I'm, i'm dealing with this pyramid here and you're talking about this thing here right so what's what's in this cloud right here so cool god then comes back with the scripture I'm not saying this actually happened, but in the scripture, he came with the scripture, yeah? 1 First Corinthians 9, verse 10. <clears throat> so, 1 Corinthians 9, verse... Oh, guess what, guys? Wrong scripture. All right, so I'm going to have to tell you what the Bible says here. You have to just find it. So basically, there's a scripture that says, um, eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has planned for those who love him. He basically replied saying, I'm not even going to tell you. (laughs) Basically. And it's not because he's trying to be, um, he's not trying to torture you, but his position is, it hasn't even entered into your heart. Like, you don't even have the imagination or the capacity to know what is beyond this pyramid. You have no capacity, right? But then there's a, there's a the verse that's straight after that scripture basically says that, but he has revealed it to us who has the spirit, right? So he's not saying that he's going to hide everything completely, but he reveals things gradually. So the more faith you put in, the more he's going to gradually reveal in this cloud, right? But you can only do that by your spiritual sensitivity, right? I guess one of the harder things as a Christian to travel up this infinite forest, right? Is that I've seen what happened to all his disciples, man. I've seen what they've done to Paul, man. I've seen what they've done to all those guys. They all died horrific deaths in it. It wasn't, it wasn't cush at all. People who, and Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you are going to die. He said it straight off. You're going to get crucified. It's not like, it's not a cute thing. And you have to sacrifice a lot of the things in this pyramid. And sometimes in your walk, you may feel like that's a little bit Number one, you don't want to do it, but then also it may feel a little bit torturous. It's like, these are the things that I can see right now is valuable to, I see it as valuable anyway, and I have to sacrifice that for something that I can't see. And you will see that in things like fasting and tithing and 
You know when you have to pray, you have to be still for a couple of minutes. All of those things where you're like, I don't really know what the payoff is, right? But God is basically showing that it's not a thing where he's trying to torture you. He's just basically saying that all of these things, even though he wants you to have these things, they are really nice things. Like, that's his blessing for you. If you overindulge in it, Andre, it can spoil your appetite. It can easily spoil your appetite, and it has spoiled your appetite. Because you were so involved in the pyramid, you forgot the clouds that's above you. So the reason for fasting is not so you could be mad spiritual. It's not like this spooky thing. It's like you put yourself away from the things that are involved in a pyramid just so you could open up your appetite for the things that's in the cloud. Does that make sense? That's what tithing is. Tithing is like you're putting a little bit aside so you can open up your appetite for the things that's in the cloud. Um, So he's basically saying, just trust me and put it to the test and, and, and see what would happen. And then at the end of this, at the end of this whole journey there's, it's really an ultimatum which is like you can't even I can't even stay in the middle for long do you know what I mean because God gave a time limit on that he was just like I will spit you at some point like it's not it's not a nice taste it's just not a nice it's not a nice taste I will spit it out at some point so you have to make it it sound it's the kind of cutthroat it's the kind of cutthroat messages that I grew up in the church but it's so true it's like you, you're either you have to either just be cold and just go all the way like if you're just gonna if you're gonna do it just go all the way and just be cool with that decision and make that your lot you've decided to be in the pyramid this is my period I'm gonna stay here fine that's your de- decision stay with the decision or go on the hot side and it's gonna hurt it's definitely gonna hurt and then then I'm left with this, these final questions which is like Okay, I can't stay here for long, so I need to make a decision. I need to go somewhere. And one of the bigger questions I always have when it comes to faith is: Is God a con man? Is he a con? Like, is he just going to shake? Am I? Am I? Am I going to put all in and get to the top of the mountain? He's just going to push me off. Is that what's going to happen? Because that's what it kind of feels like when it comes down to faith. It's like I'm not really too sure. I don't really want to believe. I'm not. But then that struggle is basically saying that. I don't know if he's going to come through. Do you know what I mean? Even if I put all the chips in, I don't even know if he's going to come through like that. But then you look were smiling. You know that it's like, it's kind of a ridiculous thought to have, but that's the thought that I sometimes have. And then, so then, if that be the case then, there's two ultimatums or there's two things that could come out of putting all your chips in, right? One of the things is that we are basically the fools who sacrificed all and probably sacrificed um, how people perceived us and our social standing and all of those things that we consider important to us just so we can pursue something that we believe to be true and it wasn't true. That's the worst case scenario. But in the best case scenario is this. Like, I don't even know where it is, but it's dope. Do you know what I mean? Like, this whole thing of all the promises, all the glimpses that God did mention about, like, the meek inheriting the earth, inheriting the earth, like, being kings and priests and all those kind of things that he kind of alluded to but didn't give us the full details of. What if that is the actual payoff that you get? 
and then what if by the end of it we can actually look at the things that we're struggling with now and be like you know what our appetite was too small like we was we was on some idiot thing and this payoff is actually worth it so like I said this isn't a talk this is more of an argument but hopefully you, you all can have an argument in your own heads as well it's like at the end of the day when it comes down to being in this position it definitely cannot be here for long and and it's of no use to nobody it's of no use to me as an individual because you know you're not really <laughs> you know the ones where like when you call Jesus and he's like new phone who's this it's one of those where like you're not you're not, you're not, that, you're not fully in relationship with him but at the same time you're a bit too Christian to do other things but that's not helping anybody so then the question is just like do you in choosing one side what side do you want to choose because at the end of the day the choices that you make isn't just about you yourself but then it's also about how your choices impact you as a network because even when you look at when Jesus judges the, the goats and the sheep there's an analogy I think like in Matthew 25 or 26 and he speaks to the sheep and he was like thank you because when I was in prison you looked after me when I was like poor you clothed me and all that kind of stuff and then he said when you've done that to people you've done that to me and then he goes to the goats and he was like I was in prison you didn't check me and when I was poor you didn't clothe me and then all the goats and all the people who thought they were down with Jesus was like at what point was you even broken we didn't help you he was like well all those times you walked past that person you actually walked past me so the decision that I really, you really have to make is the hot one. Be hot, like don't be cold out here, innit? Um, but I guess what, what I'm gonna do is that I'm just gonna end in a prayer because it is, it's, it's tricky, it's hard, like, and Jesus knows it's hard. He said, number one, you're gonna like sacrifice your life to do it. Number two, it's a very straightforward path, but it's a very complicated path. I guess I'll end on this point. There isn't a simple, there isn't a complicated um, thing that you have to do. Because sometimes when you're in that middle stage for so long, you're like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to go to church five times a week and I've got to do all these things. And like, when you actually read on God's actual requirement, it's number one, make sure you're communicating with me on a regular basis. Number two, with every fiber of your being, make sure you're listening to what I have to say and respond to what I have to say. And then the third thing is treat other people like how you want to be treated. Very basic stuff, but we know that even in its simplicity is quite hard to push forward to and then Jesus comes with this ending um, proposition he isn't like you're lukewarm leave me he's like you know what this is a position right now but I'm going to say I'm going to give you this business proposition buy from me buy gold from me buy like buy your white clothing from me and he was saying this to very rich people but he's like your gold isn't even really hitting it like that buy, buy gold from me Buy your clothing from me. Buy your medical eye salve from me because it actually works. So he kind of opens it up to us. There's a huge invitation to be like, there is a whole cloud that we could go up and let's take off uh, that the opportunity. So I'm going to say a prayer. I need this prayer. like So like, and if you need a prayer, just agree with me and like um, be in it because yeah, I can't be in the middle for too long. It's just not nice. And, uh, but also as well to go on the hot path it is a, it's a it's a very straight but hard way um, so yeah
Father, we thank you for this word. Uh, it's a very tricky word, it's a very hard word, but it shows that you chase who you love. Um, you take care of those who, um, who you love. And I pray that these words doesn't just leave my mouth and stay in this room, but I pray that if need be, it bothers us. It, it continually circles around in our heads and we continually think about it until we do become um, the children of God that you want us to be and be in the image that you want us to be. We thank you for these words and we pray that it just continuously um, rings in our head. We thank you for our gathering City Hill. And we pray that as we're here, we, we're, um, we're not those who have you outside of the door knocking, but you're actually inside dining with us. And, um, and, and, and we are one of you, Lord God. I pray that you be with us and keep us. In Jesus' name I pray. really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london